When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to the season finale of the Game Preview Podcast presented by LifeLock, Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland, John Polano, 2024. Happy New Year. I feel like a new man, honestly. Yeah, I feel older. Cynthia, do you feel like a new woman? No. I'm not getting any older. I refuse. (laughs) (laughs) It's 2024, but the Jets' 2023 regular season is still going on, which is always kind of like, it's weird to say because it's 2024, but it's a 2023 season. Now we're getting into the semantics of it. Regardless, week 18, the Jets play in New England to close out their season. Two teams, unfortunately, not in the position to continue their season and postseason contention. The Patriots are 4-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. They Last time they had five wins or fewer was 2,000. Yeah. So that's something. That's Bill Belichick's first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some speculation before we dive into the matchup here that this will, in fact, be Bill Belichick's last season in New England. Cynthia, as our insider here on the Game Preview podcast, and to make a numbers joke, are you buying stock in that argument or what? No, I'm yeah. definitely not buying stock. I mean, this is a legendary coach who pretty much can, like, unless he doesn't want to. You know, like if he's done, then maybe, but he's so close to that all-time win mark. I mean, it could take a number of years, but it's still very, very close. Like he's like 40 away, something like that. Like very, he's he's getting there. So I, it's hard to hard to imagine him walking away when he's so close from that. Number. I agree. I also feel like when you see the Patriots play, they seem to continue to play hard, Pilato. Yeah, I mean, you've been around for, what, this is your eighth season? This is my eighth season. This is only my second. Do you have a favorite, like, Belichick memory of him playing New York? No. No? Not a single good memory? No. <laughs> uh, I've been here eight seasons, which coincides with the 15-game losing streak, literally from start to present. <laughs> so the last time the Jets beat the Patriots was Week 16, 2015. It was my mom's birthday. I was at the game with my dad. She let us go, which was very big. That we could go to the game. So sweet. Eric Decker, game-winning touchdown in overtime towards the sideline, towards the corner where my dad and I were sitting. So good memories, and then I started working for the Jets, and then they haven't beaten the Patriots since. So with that being said, I think it's about time we dive into the matchup. And what do you got for Are we doing a rewind? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah, so this was actually, this is probably the large. I think this is the largest gap. Between it, is. it has to be because it was similar week three matchups and we week had. 18. Yeah, so it's 14 weeks in between these teams. Like, I feel like if there is a keyword for this matchup, it is change. You literally <laughs> cannot look back at that old matchup and take 
pretty much anything away from it, but I'm, I just want to talk about some of the things you guys said, because I think you had some really good insight, and I'm curious how much these things have changed. I mean, so back in week three, you guys had a real conversation just about how the offense would look differently under Bill O'Brien, and we had still had a really small sample size with those like first two weeks and then obviously into the matchup. And Cynthia, you said, you have to give credit where credit is due. Mac Jones does look to be improved this season. I think he has played considerably better. Bill O'Brien's game planning has been significantly better. It is much less easy for defenses to figure out. And I mean, this is not your fault. Mac Jones obviously gets benched for Bailey Zappi, who threw for 209 yards and three picks last week. Do you still see the Bill O'Brien differences as the season kind of progressed? Well, we've been calling, we've been taking fondly to calling Bailey Zappi the Zap at NFL Network. And so <laughs> with the Zap, things are a little bit different. There is one area where I will say, that maybe Bill O'Brien's kind of impact is still showing. And that's with the tight end use. Before Hunter Henry didn't play last week, he had like four touchdowns in three games. They were leveraging that position more effectively and efficiently. So, and then by the way, Mike Kosicki had one last week. So in his absence, the tight end position was still impactful. So you are seeing it, but I mean, look, no Ramondre Stevenson, who catches passes for them? It's been a you know, Juju Smith-Schuster not playing. Like, it's just been a horrible in injury situation for them as well. So, between all of those things, you are seeing, again, a little more tight end use. Okay. Ethan, I also have a quote from you on this exact topic. It feels like New England has a number of guys, but I don't really know who their stable go-to option is, and this quote kind of fits into what Cynthia said. They clearly spread the ball to a number of different players, but there isn't a that guy. I don't know what this says about the offense, but it has to say something right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously Cynthia <laughs> probably follows them more closely throughout the year, but we, we see it from the outside. I mean, their leading receiver this year is Demario Douglas with 47 catches for 548. Hunter Henry, obviously, as she mentioned, has 42 catches for 419 and six touchdowns. Kendrick Bourne, who's on, I believe he's on IR, 37 catches for 406 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. It seemed like you were pretty right there. Like, is there still nobody you fear going into this matchup? Anybody I fear? I, I don't know. I feel like you have to be wary of all opponents because this is the National Football League, and that was a very political answer, I understand. <laughs> but in terms of receiving options not named Ezekiel Elliott, who's second on the team with 46 receptions, like Demario Douglas, I, I feel like wasn't playing that big of a role in Week 3, so I I'm interested to see what he looks like. Every time I hear Demario Douglas, or I'm about to say it, I'm always fearful. I'm about to say Demario Davis, who used to be a Jet and now plays with <laughs> the New Orleans Saints. Um, but in terms of receiving options like... I just don't really see like a game breaker, you know, maybe Douglas is the closest thing, but I really think for this game for the Jets, especially with the forecast mm -hmm. with sloppy conditions Saturday, potentially into Sunday for me, it's, it's Zeke because Zeke is the guy that burned him in week three in a low scoring 15, 10 affair in week yeah. three. And if Zeke is second on the team with 46 receptions and he has 588 rushing yards, he leads the team in attempts like, to me, the guy's Zeke, but he's not really what you were asking. So, yeah. no yeah, yeah. to what you're saying with an asterisk that it's Zeke for this game. Well, but so I actually have one of Cynthia's quotes from that earlier week on Zeke because he's become such a big part of the offense. She said, really, the only area Zeke Elliott has been actually effective in the past few seasons has been the red area. I think what they've 
what they've been doing is similar to what they do with Tony Pollard. That guy got you into the red area, and then Zeke was the finisher. I mean, Zeke has three touchdowns in the last four weeks since he's become like the full-time back ahead of Ramondre Stevenson. So I think you're completely right on that, that he's almost become the real threat. It seems like it's really a, almost an offense by committee as they're kind of trying to figure out what they want to do with all the shifting in quarterback and shifting in play caller. Does that make sense, Cynthia? Yes, definitely. Oh, no. Yeah, the Zap definitely <laughs> needs to have some help there with some trick plays. It absolutely, a run game is totally necessary for him as well. All right. I also think you got to give credit to where credit's due, Cynthia. You said that he was effective in the red area. He accounts for five total touchdowns this year, second on the team to Hunter Henry. So just tip of the cap there. Like the Jeter respect. Uh, <laughs> GIF, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't want to give them too much respect. I mean, they okay. are ranked last in total points at fourteen point six points. I was, per I game, was giving the count but... to Cynthia. Oh, my fault. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you meant respect the Patriots. <laughs> off. No, no, no. I said, yeah, no, respect to Cynthia, Derek Jeter, and Palano was like, no, you don't want to give credit there. <laughs> no. no credit for Cynthia. Credit. <laughs> Cynthia deserves all the credit. She nailed that. I was not crediting Ezekiel Elliott for having five touchdowns, which is second on the team. No, I was not. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. All right. Uh, we can flip to the other side of the ball now, staying on the Patriots. Um, so Cynthia said this about Matthew Judon and his in, prior to his injury, who's obviously out for the year. Matthew Judon had come over from the Baltimore Ravens and so was kind of newer to the AFC East. He didn't grow up in this division. So now they know what they're looking at every year and they'll just get better and better at handling him. It feels like that kind of whole thing has gone out the window since he's gone IR. Um the Patriots have relied heavily on Christian Barmore, who actually you mentioned a lunch right before this has eight and a half sacks, which is incredibly impressive mm-hmm. for them. And Dietrich Wise Jr. four and a half sacks. Um, your boy Josh Uche three why, sacks. Why is he my boy? That's Cynthia's boy. <laughs> Sorry, he's a Cynthia's Michigan guy. Boy. <laughs> Come on, Michigan. This is my he's boy. a Michigan Wolverine. You know. <laughs> I just, I just love how much you enjoyed saying Uche on that I, other pod. I, I just oh, listened so to it. Uche. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Uche. Uche. It is a great name. It's like uh, it's like an elf, Francisco. That's yeah. fun to say. Yeah, exactly. And you got mad at me Francisco. for not knowing that reference. <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you. Oh, come on. That, of course, deja vu. All yeah, now that the holiday season's over, I know that. But obviously, they've had so many changes on this defense. This defense has still like really ma- remained consistently good. Like the mm-hmm. only thing up to Belichick standards, it feels like this year. Cynthia, from your perspective, do you feel like the defense has stayed? at that or are these numbers kind of just empty numbers um they're the better part of the team that's for sure if you look even at last week what they were able to do to josh allen they held him to his lowest efficiency rating of the entire season now i will say asterisks there the first time that they played the bill josh allen had like 340 yards and like four touchdowns so a little a little different but <laughs> i think last week you saw they're able when they're when they're really operating and can figure out kind of what's coming for them they're able to still be effective efficient like the, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is not a good year for the Patriots, but all is not lost. And they're not like terrible. You know what I Like right. it, it's, they're not good this year, but they're not like unfortunate and to be thrown away. You know, they'll, they'll get a new quarterback. Things will look different. They've got to get some in- people back from injuries, et cetera. I have a question for you, Cynthia, just following up on that. Christian Gonzalez was a big discussion week three. And, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I, without the stats in front of me, Garrett Wilson did not do much against his Patriots team. It felt like Christian Gonzalez was having a sauce Garner type rookie season. And from your perspective, how much 
changed with the Patriots defense or just how good was he? Can you quantify that at all with him out of the lineup versus with him in it? I mean, he didn't play enough to really get there, but you saw him do things that are very uncharacteristic of a corner. For example, this guy was sacking quarterbacks. That's not something rookie corners typically are asked to do, let alone execute properly to begin with. So when you lose your best pass rusher and you lose your, you know, really promising young corner that could very well have been your, you know, best corner, maybe easily, that says a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So getting him back will be huge for them next year. He was, I, I think I wrote about him as like, uh, someone who I was surprised fell to them. It like felt like how on earth do they luck out and get this guy? Yeah, and it just it's <laughs> Christian Gonzalez just adds to all those people that are on IR. I mean, between Christian Gonzalez, Marcus Jones, Judon, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ramondre, Cole Strange, this feels like almost an entirely different matchup than it did in Week Three. Oh. Um, it's just it's hard <laughs> to preview. So I, I that's all the rewind quotes I had. Um, but it's going to be an interesting matchup, especially with Trevor Simeon and not Zach Wilson. I think so, too. And, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, Cynthia, my biggest question about this matchup before we listen to Coach Sala is, like, <clears throat> kind of what do you expect from the offenses? Because from where I sit, you think about the forecast, you think about the way these teams have played. This smells like points are going to be scarce. That's really just what it what it seems like it has the potential to be. Although I do I will say the X factor for me and I'm curious where you stand on this. Brees Hall has been so good especially since the last time that these teams played. Like Brees Hall wasn't the same player he is today that he was week 3. His reps have increased. He's been on a tear in terms of out of the backfield as a receiver and then you factor in what he's been doing as a rusher. He needs 105 yards to eclipse what is it? 1500 scrimmage yeah. yards. So he needs 105 to eclipse 1500 to become the first Jet since Thomas Jones in 2008 to do so and the fourth in Jets franchise history. How difficult of a task do you think that is for Hall on Sunday? Well, I was reading all of the different presser quotes that Brees has said. He talked about that he 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 wanted to show that he's one of the best running backs in the league and he didn't feel like he got a chance to do that this but whatever. Like this is your chance because this defense, you know, we we joke that Bill Belichick's the only coach who wants to take away the be- the the other opposing team's best player. Like every it is the most that is the most like lame quote ever, but it, in the case of Belichick, you do know he who he respects the most based on when you look after the game, you're like, wow, they're never giving a light box. They are never getting like, you know, this is something where he he clearly does. And so now I'm going to see how Brees Hall responds because I think Brees is up for this challenge. This is going to be an area where they're going to say, we're not going to let Brees Hall run all over us. They know about those 105 or whatever number of scrimmage yards that he needs too, right? So they're looking for motivation where they can find it as well. So I'm, I actually think Brees will be great. And this is going to be a, a, a chance for him to give you a preview for next year on how and what we can expect and how he's grown. This is where you see it because this is where he's going to get that number one dude respect. And so let's go, let's go Brees. Let's see it, buddy. I'm interested to see what he does. And the other guy I want to see what he does is Garrett Wilson has 93 receptions on the year. He needs seven, which is a lot. I don't know how aware, like, if you're Nathaniel Hackett, you know that he needs seven to get to um, to get to 100. Like, are you dialing up maybe like a couple screens to get a couple of freebies here? 
or are you just letting him do his thing? And especially with Cynthia, with what you said, if the Patriots really start to focus in on Brees Hall, maybe that's a little less attention on Garrett Wilson, who had under 50 receiving yards in week three against the Patriots. Like, isn't this the time of year where I know like the contract incentives come into play across the leagues. And we've seen this in the past where it's like, my guy just needs a couple, you know, to get some money. Garrett needs seven catches to get to a hundred. That'd be pretty cool. That's all I'm saying. That'd be awesome. No, it'd be, it'd be great. Like, look, like Belichick would clearly like to take away both. I'm sure it's not like I wasn't saying that Garrett Wilson was deserving of the number one of course. treatment, but you know, they can, they can say, given all the things going on in this team, the injuries, it's not Aaron Rodgers right out there against us. Like let's, let's just take away Brees Hall and, and force Trevor Simeon to throw to Garrett Wilson. And we'll, we'll give you that instead. Like perhaps that's what happens. I think those incentives are fun. And if you're like a fantasy player, you should absolutely like a daily fantasy, player, you should absolutely be monitoring them. Like Travis Kelsey needs like 16 yards to get to a thousand. Like they're, they're making that happen. Like, I, I don't care what you say. They're making that happen. You know, they like, they may yeah. not play any other starter and it's going to be like complete, like not, but Travis Kelsey, they'll be like three plays. He'll get like 20 yards of it. Like, All right. Now you can have your rest week. Yep. And there, and there it is. <laughs> and just for those at home who maybe um, are interested in gambling and they like <laughs> over unders because we don't do that, but we like to let us we're league employees. We took our, or what's that compliance training very seriously yes we do but that doesn't mean we can't feed information that could help you make a decision so just for what it's worth garrett wilson in his last four games has gone nine receptions three receptions nine receptions and five i don't know what the average is there well don't worry about the average look at the pattern nine three nine Whatever. Yeah, nine three nine five. So now we're going back up. You're right. Feels like nine to me. Okay. All right. I think it <laughs> could like feel nine, like nine. Baby. Feels like nine. I think we have to manifest that. <laughs> That's all about what 2024 is. Positive reinforcements, manifesting things. Yes. We probably said yes. it at 2023 too, but we're gonna do it again in 2024. And why stop? What'd you say? Why stop? You're not going to yeah, stop, stop manifesting exactly. things. You have to com- <laughs> you have to continue to manifest positive things for them to happen. And not that this is manifesting anything, but here's EA with Coach Robert Sala. Let's go back to last Thursday night. What did you think about Jermaine's individual effort on the interception and then the pick six? Oh, it was it was unbelievable. He really had should have had two touchdowns um, on the fumble recovery where he picked it up and ran, but. Uh, but it, uh, it, it took me to a flashback back in 2019 when uh, Nick Bosa did it against Carolina at home. Um, it was an unbelievable effort. Can you, can you speak to his athleticism? Yeah, he, he's got all the, I mean, he's a, he's a freak athlete. I've said that a million times, but uh, he's, uh, you combine freak athleticism with uh, incredible instincts, uh, incredible work ethic, incredible strain, um, and incredible power you've got. A pretty damn good football player. Why did he make such a big jump from year one to year two? Uh, credit to him. Uh, he put in a lot of work this offseason. He remade his body. Um, he came in with purpose, and uh, and he's only going to get better. I mean, he's a second-year kid, you know, so he's. Uh, we're very fortunate to have him. In the offseason, will you hold him up as an example for your young rookie class this year and say, hey, this is what you want to be? Absolutely. He's um, a lot of them. I mean, Garrett, I know that Garrett came back stronger. Sauce came back stronger. Brees 
put in so much work in the off season. You're starting to see him come around. Uh, looks looks unbelievable running with purpose. Um, you know, Michael Clemens. Don't forget him. Jeremy Ruckert was having uh, was coming on strong, and uh, so that entire draft class really took a nice step in the second year. Um, but yeah, absolutely. When if you want to know what it's supposed to look like, those are the ones you go talk to for sure. I want to ask you about two guys whose stats are not off the charts in terms of cornerbacks and interceptions. Sauce Gardner still looking for that first one, but he's been great this year. Can you talk about his season? Yeah. Um, you know, he's had some opportunities. He's got to be able to start taking the ball away. We've talked about that. But at the same time, you know, he's he's so disciplined in coverage and he's so, um, I don't want to say overwhelming for opponents, but he he does such a good job just playing technique sound, um, uh, keeping staying in people's back pockets and, uh, and, and basically saying no to his side of the field and uh, wherever he lines up. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been fantastic. His work ethic off the field um or at practice and in the building is is as good as anybody and uh just really really excited for him the second year that he took and just excited to see him continue to take those strides what about quinton he's often facing double teams triple teams he's playing through those the pressures are up he's impacting the quarterback the sacks are down but with that being said if you ask anybody in nfl circles this guy's having another outstanding year yeah he's he's playing at a pro bowl level um easily all pro even uh his ability in the run game he's been absolutely dominating in the run game uh he's one of the few left that do both um i've obviously sacks are awesome we love sacks uh they're a big part of the negotiation all that good stuff um and we encourage sacks because they are drive killers um but at the same time the greatest predictor of sacks and consistency for sacks is getting pressure on the quarterback and, uh, and he gets pressure at a very, very high rate. And while those opportunities have kind of slipped through him uh, this year, uh, it's not over. He can finish strong this game. But while some of those opportunities have slipped, um, he's going to have more opportunities. Uh, uh, he's going to have more opportunities in the future because he's going to continue to put pressure on the quarterback. And he's disruptive. He's a game changer. He's somebody that you've got to pay attention to and deserving of all his accolades. How much does it excite you about the pair with him and Jermaine? Because Quinnen was asked about Jermaine, and he said, I think we can be a dynamic duo for years to come. Yeah, for sure. There's, um, you know, I, th I think our, our front all together, you know, is, uh, they're, they're all coming back yet. I think Will McDonald has a chance to, to, to have the offseason that uh, uh, Jermaine had because he's finishing. I know his reps aren't high, but when he's out there, he's, he's doing a lot of good things. And uh, Bryce Huff has been improving every single year. Um, you know, Michael Clemens is doing a great job, JFM. Uh, Sally. Uh, so we, we've got a really good front and uh, and for the most part, I, I'm pretty sure most of them are coming back and, um, you know, it'll be a chance for them to grow. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? 
I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. A little bit tighter, a little bit better. Offensively, what have been the keys as far as the growth? You said you can see it. The numbers, obviously, even going back to last week against Cleveland, you want to put more points on the board, but you guys are moving the football. Yeah, the uh, you know, if you look back, um, I'll start back at the Atlanta game, really. Um, I know the production wasn't there in the Atlanta game, but you could see a lot of things starting to get where it was like, oh, my God, we're, we're close. And then we put 30 on uh, uh, Houston, had a not not so great game against Miami and put up another 30 against uh, um, Washington. And, and then uh, even last week, you know, to put uh, 360 yards or whatever it was on Cleveland and, and put ourselves in position to go get points. We had to, we had to forego some uh, opportunities to get points because of uh, uh, trying to go for it on fourth down and stuff. But, uh, but overall, I, I feel like our offense has been improving. Um, which has been, which is promising. Uh, uh, not where we want it to be, but definitely going in the direction we want it to go. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can finish this season off strong and uh, finish with, with a good performance that will propel us into next season. Trevor, getting the ball again against New England. What are you seeing from the Patriots defensively? Uh, same. You know, they're, they're going to run a lot of different things at you. Uh, they're exotic in that regard and uh, they're disciplined. They're, they're powerful up front. They're very sticky in coverage. Um, they do a good job changing it up, mixing it up. They're, you know, they've been a top ten defense all year, and uh, uh, they're a team that's they're stingy. They're very stingy, and uh, you know, which which you would expect from a team coached by Coach uh, Belichick. You mentioned Belichick. What's it been like going against him over the years, and what's a trademark of a Bill Belichick led team? Uh, not fun, <laughs> but um, but Bill, uh, you know. Their their teams are always going to show up. Obviously, they're they're just, they're going to be disciplined. They're they're going to be in every game, and uh, you know they they do things the right way. They've been together for twenty years or whatever it's been, so everybody understands what needs to get done, how to get things coached, how to um, put guys in positions to be successful, and the players all know exactly what's expected of them. After uh, you know, and you expect that with uh, with how long they've been there. But um, obviously, he's he's changed the game in many ways, and. Uh, he's he's an unbelievable coach. We talk about Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall every week. And this week, no different. What does it say about Garrett that he's at 93 receptions heading into this final game? Uh, he's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a spectacular receiver. Um, you know, you shows up every day, works his tail off, wears his heart on his sleeves, um, but but always in with the team. You know, and, um, you know, you, you look at him, he's got this big smile on his face at practice and he's got this ultra competitive uh, nature to him where he just wants to sh- he wants to be the best he can be. And he wants to put up, say he wants to help the team and uh, and he deserves to, you know, and, uh, um, you know, we'll continue to always try to find ways to keep him involved. How about Brees? Have he's become such a dual threat and teams have to know at this point that you want to get the ball in his hands but they're still having trouble stopping him, especially now as a receiver. Yeah, uh, you know, earlier in the year when he came back from the ACL, we were trying to be judicious in how we use them and uh, um, to limit the amount of carries. And then, you know, we tried to ramp it up. Obviously, there was a lull in the middle, but um, to get him more opportunities on third down and to get him the ball more, just to find ways to get the ball in his hands, he's he is starting to really hit his stride. Um, he's seen the field well. He's playing with a great physicality. 
Um, and uh, obviously out of the backfield just as, I mean, he can take a check down that you would think goes for four and he turns it into a 15-yarder. And uh, so he's he's a weapon. We've always recognized that and uh, we'll continue to recognize that and find ways to get him the ball. No locker room was ever the same at the end of a season. With that being said, one of your points of emphasis has always been finish. What are you going to tell these guys? Same thing. You know, we uh, a lot of people put in a lot of work, uh, players, coaches, staff, everybody puts in a lot of work in a, in a game week, and, and we have an opportunity to finish this thing strong. And, uh, you know, the good thing is we got a very prideful locker room. we got a lot of guys who uh, – who understand that uh, when they go out, when they step on the field, they're, they're trying to put their best foot forward and um, excited for this opportunity to get one last run in New England and, and see what happens. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Heads up, Jets fans. There are more identity threats than most people realize, and you can't catch them all on your own. It takes a team. LifeLock catches the identity threats you could miss. If something happens, your own U.S.-based identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. Backed by our million-dollar protection package. Plus, Jets fans can score 35% off their first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Jets or use promo code Jets at checkout. That's 35% off lifelock.com. Great stuff from Coach Sala and EA as always. Cynthia, like, considering this is the last game preview podcast presented by LifeLock of the 2023 regular season, sad face as well. And Polano, you've been great on your debut on the game preview podcast oh, all season long. Round of applause for John oh, Polano. Thank you. Thank Shout you. out to Kathy Just Polano. Just genuinely an honor to be here. Yep, great. Kathy, did she win her fantasy championship? Oh, man. It... Because, okay, wait, let's set, let's set the stakes here. Kathy Polano, John Polano's mother and I, both had Brees Hall. <laughs> We were both in our fantasy football championships. What happened with Mrs. Polano? So she's playing my uncle. Shout out to Uncle Greg as well. Okay. Except the game, the, the one o'clock games are played. The score is one forty to one forty one. I think there's like a couple is this of decimals. Over a two week span. This is a no. This is a one week. Affair. They just went crazy. It was okay. a great. It was a great week for Team Kathy. Okay. It's one forty one to one forty, and they go into the four o'clock games. Both people have one player left, oh, no. and they are both kickers. Oh, no. It is Evan McPherson versus Dicker the Kicker, and Dicker the Kicker got the best of Kathy. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> tough. No ring for Kathy Polano this year. She'll have to wait. Well, wow. That's so tough to lose on a kicker. That is tough. That is two Brees Hall fantasy oh. owners that did not make it out of their fantasy football championship on top. <laughs> Me being the other one, um, I I had this is really shit. It's full circle here. I was riding the Joe Flacco train, and then it was Browns Jets, and I said I can't do this. I cannot do this. Right. Had I started Flacco, I would have emerged victorious. Instead, my starting quarterback, who's on IR, Justin Herbert, out of the equation. My other starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud, into the lineup because he was back, and at the at the last hour. I almost switched from <laughs> CJ Stroud to Jordan Love because I just had a feeling. I don't know. And then I said, nah, I don't really like it. CJ Stroud's been playing well, and I didn't do it. Had I played Jordan Love, also would have emerged victorious. So it was still sound theory. You made like you can only base your you can only look at the process. You can't look at the outcome. You know what I mean? Like you don't know the outcome. If you knew at totally. the end, of course everyone would have played, you know, totally the right person. Absolutely. And not to mention, had my opponent started either of Najee Harris or, or Isaiah Pacheco, he would have waxed me. True. 
Instead, he went exactly. with Tony Pollard and Jameer Gibbs, who got like four and five points. Anyway, enough yep. about our fantasy teams. I just wanted to air, clear that out <laughs> before we look ahead to 2024. So, Cynthia, we won't speak to you until the offseason is like kind of underway. Am I seeing you at the Combine? Well, that's what I'm saying, until it's underway at the Combine. Okay, like, okay, okay. But okay, yeah. I want to give a little bit of a sneak peek here. As you look at this Jets roster, as you look at what's to come, at potential free agents, draft prospects, I think right now a lot of people will say, well, it comes down to offensive linemen and wide receivers, right? Whether that be free agency, whether that be the draft, however you want to skin the cat, those are the two positions most people are going to address first when thinking of the New York Jets. From your perspective, what is the proper approach knowing the prospects and knowing the free agent pool of how to approach both positions over the course of the offseason to set the Jets up for a 2024 run? Yeah, well, there's two things. First, if you have to look at the overall wide receiver depth in this class versus recent classes, and this one isn't quite as deep for, you know, like you're not getting like your fourth and fifth round wide receivers being really impactful like we've seen in the past few seasons. Probably. I mean, again, you there's there's always things that we don't know or how they're going to be used. But this is a good O-line class. This is a very strong O-line class. In fact, if it were me, I would at least go through the exercise, if I were Joe Douglas, of like, what would it take for me to get like two of these top guys, right? Yeah. Like, how do I figure that out? Because that is such a huge key to everything. I mean, look at the teams who have performed well this season, even the ones who were kind of like, that team's surprisingly good right like if you look at the texans you're like that team's surprisingly good and cj stroud rookie quarterback obviously but they figured out the right sort of o-line for what they were trying to do they don't really run the football so try to pass the ball so pass pro way better the teams that struggle like look at the difference even with like the cowboys when their o-linemen aren't playing versus when they are you know so get the o-line right like as much equity as possible. Like the Bengals are going to be in the market for this. They're a team that needs help at O-line. And now they're going to have like two, like where they're picking, whatever you could, whatever you, you might be in competition with them for, don't let them get the good guys, take the good ones, right? Like figure that out. Maybe even take two because you're starting something real. You got, you got some key pieces, add depth. You can, you honestly really can't have too many of them. <laughs> and then wide receiver, you could, you can address this, but when you get a huge uptick in quarterback play, you don't need – everyone doesn't need to be Garrett Wilson then if you've got Aaron Rodgers, if you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. right? Like, you're actually all right. You, you don't need the number one – you don't need to sell the farm for Marvin Harrison Jr. or the guy from Washington that I really like, Odunzie. I can't even say his name yet. We're not there yet, but I've done all the <laughs> – I've started the, I've started the uh, I've started all the math on them. The pronunciation's the next part. But, like, don't sell the farm for the guys – that are really high up in that wide receiver class because right. the quality of the guy throwing it to it just totally makes a huge difference. Give Aaron Rodgers all of the O-linemen would be what I say. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Douglas yeah. operates. It's a good O-line class. Strong O-line class. Yep. And don't get mad if the Jets don't like the one that media likes, right? Right. They, they know what they're doing here. Like, you got to give Joe – like, look at, look at who he's found. You got – a lot of good options here. So, and, and Tippmann's great. So you, you're the middle, you're should be good there. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be fascinating off season. Obviously, as we record this podcast, the jets hold the eighth overall selection could be up or could be higher, closer to one could be closer to, to 10 to 12, depending on what happens on Sunday. Good. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, like, I think 
of the available outcomes, as long you really want to stay in the top 10, you know, you don't want to go out, you lose the last game of the season, especially if the Patriots are picking before you, no matter what, it kind of doesn't matter. It's other people's games. You got to figure out who to root against. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a list of who you should root against to get a better draft yes. position. Cause today it doesn't matter. So it's, We'll see what happens. The Jets are either getting a better quote-unquote draft pick with a loss or they snap the 15-game losing streak with a win, which also sends the Patriots closer to the number one overall pick. It, I understand from a fan's perspective why you're like, just lo- just lose. But also, you haven't been the Patriots no, in 15 games. No, don't lose. Like, you, the you Patriots be the Patriots. need different things. They Patriots need a quarterback. They clearly don't like Mac Jones. Like no one's told me this. This is me inferring this based on the zap starting (laughs) the zap. Right. So if the zap starting, they probably don't want to go with Mac Jones. Just a thought. So they're probably going to need a quarterback, which means they're probably going to have to figure out how to finagle something in these top picks because what's Chicago good? We have so many things to to answer before then, but the, the moral of this story is you don't need a quarterback. So win this game because it is always better to go out with a good taste in your mouth as opposed to a bad taste in your mouth. hundred percent. And not to mention you take a look at the jets roster. Everyone's talked about it. Think about the young talent. It, it feels like copy and paste a little bit. Doesn't it Polano of, Last offseason, you saw the young pieces with Sauce and Garrett. Jermaine wasn't the player he is now, and Brees coming off the ACL and everything like that. And you're like, just you need a quarterback. Insert Aaron Rodgers. Now we're doing the same thing. It's literally like a copy and paste, just like a little bit of a stronger version. Jermaine's better. Brees is better. Garrett's better. Jermaine's awesome. Yes. By the way, Jermaine's really good. He's yes. fantastic. He, so, he, we don't talk about him enough nationally. So I'm going to make sure and tell, like today, this week, I'm talking about him more because I'm like, you know what? I haven't heard his name enough. We're going to talk more about Jermaine. I, we appreciate that over here at One Jet Stride. <laughs> but from your perspective, Polano, don't you also feel like, to Cynthia's point, a quarterback is the missing link here? It's always the missing link. And it's so interesting, The t- like almost building a timeline. You see Chicago kind of in this weird area right now where they can re-sign Justin Fields, who has kind of shown a little of a spark late, late in the season, and you might have to pay him in the next two years. Or you can draft a young guy and you kind of buy yourself more time with four years, but you don't know how developed he'll be. It's interesting because all the guys like Garrett and Jermaine and Brees, they're another year older. They're entering that year three. Their timeline is not necessarily sped up, but it's... It's getting closer to the point where it's it's contention time. And with Aaron coming back, it's interesting to look at who you want to pick based on that specifically. Who can come in and play immediately? Because it feels like the Jets' timeline is different than it was a year ago. Yeah, I think so. I also think... If I were Ryan Poles, if I were Ryan Poles, and if I were him or advising him, and I'm not, even though I went to college with him, I'm not. I'm just making that clear. I would tell him, like, I would have him, like, all of his... All of his stuff, there's like a big picture of Caleb Williams behind me. I would call Justin Jefferson and be like, Justin, I just need to get the biggest return on investment possible for this number one pick that the Panthers gave us. So <clears throat> I'm just going to pretend I love Caleb. Don't worry about it. It's just a fake. It's Fugazi. We're, I, I'm just, don't worry. We're good. Okay, uh, Okay. cool. And then I'm not, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> not sure yet. I don't know. It, it would cost a lot to get me off that Southern California. Like, come on. Like, Sneak, do something, right? Like, make them know. Like, I love you, the smoke game. <laughs> I, I love the smoke right? game. Like, I, imagine, imagine he posts a photo 
of like his laptop or something and you saw a tab that he was watching like USC film or something. It was like the USC Stanford film. Oh man. The guy from Washington. Then he's got LSU and he's like, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we're thinking. I would, I love that game. No, last year was so much fun when it was like somebody on like Reddit posted that they were going to take Will Levis first overall. And all of a sudden, People are like short betting on Will Levis, and he's yeah. minus two hundred to be the first overall pick. It's a everybody hates the offseason because there's no football, and I get it. But man, it's a fun time. It is. <laughs> if you're for conspiracy theories, oh yeah, the NFL offseason is for you. Oh, okay, yeah. because just just follow the agents. Eberflus, hmm. Fields, same agency. But it, like, just keep looking for that because a lot of times those things, when it comes down to these little tiny decisions, those things matter. Eberflus stays, better chance Fields is there. That's what I'm saying. Like, just like money talks, BS walks. That's what I think. Money talks, BS walks. That is the only way mm-hmm. we could end the 2023 season <laughs> of the Game Preview Podcast presented by LifeLock. Thank you to everyone for listening, subscribing week in and week out for John Polano making his debut on the podcast here on NewYorkJets.com for Cynthia Freeland in Hermosa Beach, California for Gordy Freeland. Gordy. Oh, he li- he, he got up when you said that. Did he? <laughs> wow. Okay. For Gordy in Hermosa Beach, and for everybody involved here at Florham Park, that includes Matt Sitkoff, Katie Weirdo, and myself, Ethan Greenberg. We hope you have a wonderful offseason before we run it back in 2020 for the regular season, and we'll see what the Jets have in store. If you want more Jets content, you know where to find us, NewYorkJets.com, lock and load. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.